Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as DPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away nearly three months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he has received for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back to Italy, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul at 518-474-8390, hashtag keep Bradley safe. Please talk to the governor and ask her to keep Bradley in the United States. That's 518-474-8390. I have a return guest on. I'm very happy to have Tim Goldich back on. The last time he was on was December 28th of 2020. 2022, uh, season three, episode 188, where we talked about uh, gender equalism and where feminism failed. Uh, He is an author. We're going to talk about victim interpretation and gender forgiveness. So I totally welcome you, Tim Goldich, back to Slam the Gavel. How are you this afternoon? (laughs) I'm good, Marianne. I really appreciate being here. I love doing my thing and uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak. Thanks. Oh, I'm glad to have you on, you know, because uh, you had written your second book, Equal Partners, The History of Gender Equality. Well, that's due out in 23. Sorry. Um, So is that coming out real soon or how soon? Oh, uh, pretty soon. Pretty soon. It's, It's nearly, nearly done. I light a fire under myself. I definitely can get it out by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard when you're busy with things and you've got to finish a book. Yes. Yes. Finishing is the most difficult part. Definitely. Writing it is easy in comparison to finishing it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, tell me about victim, you know, um, interpretation here. You know, what does that mean? All right, well, I'll begin by talking about, I'll make a distinction between uh, dualism and duality. Mm -hmm. So dualism is where we look at everything in our world and we declare it either good or it's bad. It's either or thinking. So this thing over here, that's good. That thing over there, that's bad. That's dualism. Mm-hmm. A step up from that, I think, is uh, what I'll call duality. And that's both and thinking. So a thing is is both good and bad, depending on how we look at it. It contains a little of both. And that position is supported by the I Ching and the Tao, which, oh, includes something I'll call the, the law of opposites. It just, it just means that... Uh, there cannot be good without bad. There can't be bad without good. And that these things are just, they're, they're linked together and uh, in, in, inseparable. Uh, every gift is a burden. Every burden is a gift, you see. And we can, they cannot be separated. We can choose to look at one or the other, but they're both there. Mm. So, um, 
I'm going to accuse feminism of of dualism, either or thinking. Mm -hmm. So they sort of declare that men are bad and women are good. Mm -hmm. Man bad, the overempowered oppressor. Woman good, the innocent victim. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a, a moral duality. And moral dualities have been very common all through history. And they've never turned out very well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, it was uh, the, the the Christians are bad and the Romans are good. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, Nazi Germany. You know, was, the Jews were bad. They were at fault and to blame for all things. And, uh, mm -hmm. You know, that didn't work out so good. So yeah, these moral polarities are poison. Mm -hmm. So victim interpreting. Yeah, I mean, you can women can look at everything in their lot in life and victim interpret it. Uh, they could choose to power interpret it also because this duality of all things makes it possible to mm -hmm. that, that both coexist. So yeah, you could say that beauty is a burden or you could say that it's a gift depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, motherhood is sacrifice or motherhood is the most, perhaps the most powerful role, mm -hmm. powerful common role uh, that the humans can have. Uh, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, you know, it's all how you look at it, right? It's all, all can be interpreted uh, either way. And so I would accuse feminism of, of victim interpreting the female reality and power interpreting the male reality uh, when actually they're both. Mm -hmm. The Oh yeah, okay. So man, man goes and, and gets the paycheck and brings brings home the bacon, mm -hmm. and out of that he gets um, economic power. Right, he has this this power that comes of being the one that brings in the money, and that's true. And <laughs> you can also look at it and say that he's obligated to earn his family's love. And every hour he devotes to earning his family's love leaves him with one fewer hour in which to be with his family's love. Power interpret, victim interpret. They're both valid, depending on how you choose to look at it. Mm -hmm. So just my objection with feminism is that it's a kind of ideological dictatorship that says you must look at it this way and you must not look at it that way. Can... Patriarchy play the same role as feminism is doing? Well, feminism is an ideology. Patriarchy. All right, so let's take a look at patriarchy. The, the feminist definition of patriarchy is a standalone male force, the power that rules our human world. Mm -hmm. And I will claim that patriarchy as so defined never existed. Mm -hmm that patriarchy is a perfectly valid word if it's understood in conjunction with the mirror opposite matricensis, the female consensus, the, the sisterhood. If you look at these as dual powers, mm -hmm. one operating along the respect axis and the other operating along the love axis, one being uh, the public world and the other being the private world, then these these two forces can be seen as equal partners 
apply an equal overall force of influence in the human system, equally responsible for outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, I'd love to get a chance to talk about Lloyd DeMoss and his theories about, about the evolution of human parenting. Uh, maybe it'll maybe it'll be time to, to get squeak that one in. Mm -hmm. But uh patriarchy. Yeah, I, I would replace well, where do I put this? Rather than um rather than a, a feminist definition of patriarchy, I will introduce the the terms uh patrimatricensis when we're talking about a male-female consensus as that which rules the world. The gender system would be one of a, a patrimatric census throughout history it's been sustained engaged in created maintained by woman and man in co-equal co-partnership mm -hmm. it's been agreed to by both sexes men are like this women are like that men do this and men and women do that that's been a consensus of male and female uh and there's also what i will call a, a patrimatra uh, patrimatriarchy which is um this can be a, a conflict of interest between woman and man and they're still like equal partners in this vast gender dance as it were and yes men are expected to lead the dance but they're obligated to lead in a way that pleases the woman or should just go dance with somebody else so um i see i see man as as dominating every every society throughout history and i see woman as manipulating every society all through history and that will raise a lot of anger though, that whole thing of accusing women of of uh, being manipulative but Hold on here a second. So what is this accusation that, that men are, are dominant and domineering? And what's what is the what is the judgment that we have of men then? Or the if if man dominates and he's at fault and to blame for uh, criminality and violence and war and raping women and raping the earth and all things bad. This is this is a absolute indictment that can come out of this uh accusation that men dominate so so really when we recoil at the idea of women uh manipulating we're just uh demonstrating our heightened sensitivity toward women and um uh the the protection that women receive from judgment like mm -hmm. that but but you know again it's a duality of everything you can, uh, domination can be looked at as um leading by example it can be uh many men lead but just by uh, like a jordan peterson who's just impressive and uh, uh, people just want to follow him he doesn't have any real dominance or i don't know how do you put it he doesn't have a political position he doesn't have a title agenda you know, or something agenda exactly he's, he's an intellectual and he leads on that basis meanwhile see um we wouldn't want to call Gandhi manipulative, mm -hmm. but he's not ruling by dominance when he does a starvation and says, mm -hmm. I'm not going to eat until this happens. That's a manipulative strategy. 
Uh, we just don't want to call it that because we, we've decided that manipulation is a negative thing. But if a, a woman uh, tells her husband, um, you know, gee, you, you look great since you've been going to the gym. You know, if she's just, you know, these kind of things, you know, uh, you're so hot when you eat good, you eat well, you know, or whatever it is, um, you know, then you're manipulating in a, in a positive way. So so when when women hear that women have been manipulative throughout history rather than recoil as a, a terrible insult, they could, you know, positive interpret it as women have been smarter, more clever. You know, you see, it's all how you look at it again. Right. And also patriarchy. I did a podcast on this with uh, Coral Anna Cattile, and we were talking about patriarchy also hurting men. Oh, sure. Sure. I think the flaw in patriarchy victimizes both sexes is that it's primarily victimized men. It's really done its best to protect women. But you see, the duality of things again rears its head because protection and oppression are often flip sides of the same coin you see mm -hmm. um so i mean you can't gift uh women cannot enjoy extra protection without suffering the extra condescension that goes with it women cannot enjoy extra help or charity or without suffering the extra dependence that goes with it duality to all things and uh yes and, and it's not as if women have been uninvolved in this you know women have certainly sent the message we want to be protected remember the the past was brutal mm -hmm. as bad as it seems now you know at least we're not burning people to stake in public arenas for kicks and for enjoyment you know mm -hmm. It, it, things have improved since uh, since antiquity, certainly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so protection has lost some of its value. Uh, arguably, in the in the brutal past of like ancient Rome or whatever, any measure of protection, even partial protection, was golden. It was mm -hmm. arguably some of the most valuable commodity there is. And uh, women paid a high price for it, but but that was part of uh, women's uh, choices, whether those choices were conscious or unconscious. Mm -hmm. That brings you know us to like um, this gender forgiveness. Um, there's this. Oh. I don't know if it's animosity. Probably the wrong word to use. We were talking about the MGTOW movement and incel and. Um, you know, maybe some people can't forgive after a bad experience. I don't know. Well, yeah, let's bring it to the individual level. But I think society is not forgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a lack of any generosity, gender generosity out there. Uh, the politicized men's movement is dead set against women having any extra privilege or or power within the domestic and reproductive realms they say that if women can have abortions then men ought to be able to choose to have abortions too to, to state that the fetus must be aborted 
this is this is all what I what I call unisex equality. This is this effort mm -hmm. of exact sameness of equality. But of course, the problem with it is that we're not a unisex species, and it doesn't work that way. And forcing a woman to have an abortion because the, the man says so is draconian and appalling. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's just be generous. How about women just have some extra powers and privileges that go with being female? And then uh, in the mirror opposite, how about a feminist uh, uh, chill out and allow men to compensate for being male? Uh, mm -hmm. Part of what it is to be male is to perform, achieve, and succeed our way into having what women are empowered to demand of us. And how about allowing men to do that? Mm. You know, how about not begrudging it so? How about just not spitting bitter acid if if men, you know, continue to dominate the upper top end of the world of men? Let's not forget that men also dominate the bottom of the male hierarchy as well. The mm -hmm. prison, the you know, the homeless, the hard hazardous laborers, the battlefields, you know. So how about having some generosity? So this is part of what, what forgiveness would look like. Come on. Mm -hmm. You know, throughout history, each sex fulfilled its end of an intergender contract. Mm -hmm. Each one fulfilled its end and earned its rewards fair and square. And there's nothing to look back on and say that either sex got screwed. <laughs> you can look at it if you want, if you must, but it's it's a poisonous way of looking at it and pointless. Uh, it's, it's a much healthier way to look at it that each sex earned its rewards and there's nothing to begrudge and there's really no basis for this intersex rage rancor resentment victim vengeance self-righteousness poison mm -hmm. come on what good is it let mm -hmm. it go forgiveness yes mm -hmm. and my lament is that intergender forgiveness is not even on the table it's not even discussed it's not even a thing you know and that's just very sad mm -hmm. and with the ways of the world and um say false accusations i think a lot of guys are i think that scares them more than anything it scares me because i've had false accusations as well wow terrifying uh, it, um as far as migtal you know part of me doesn't blame them i know i know they have a strong point of view i can't really blame them either as I was saying earlier, the only thing I would begrudge about uh, MGTOW is they're so damn cheerful about it. Mm. They just make it look like it's just the greatest thing. Well, it's not. It's it's sad and it's tragic. It may be necessary, arguably necessary, but it's not a good thing. Mm. And uh, it's part of what I'll call uh, heterophobia. Mm -hmm. It's uh, an intersex sort of paranoia where the women are, are terrified they're going to be raped and the men are terrified that they're going to be uh, falsely accused of rape. Uh, where the women are uh, uh, fearful that uh, they'll be dominated in, in the relationship. And, uh, you know, the men fear that, well, both sexes fear this idea they're going to be slaves to their opposite sex. Mm -hmm. 
women will fear that they'll be domestic slaves and uh, the men will fear that they'll be wage slaves. And of course, men are terrified that uh, they'll, they'll raise a family, they'll have profound investment in children and in the family and in the home, and they may lose all of it. They may lose all of it, you know. No man living in a studio apartment somewhere fighting an uphill battle in the courts for visitation rights. Mm -hmm. Any doubt of whose home and family it was. Mm -hmm. and, and so so there's a lot of lot of fear back and forth and a lot of resentment. And it doesn't really need to be that way. I, there's there's an aspect of the battle of the sexes that goes back to the Stone Age. And it derives from women and men having differing uh, sexual strategies. And so there's always going to be some intersex conflict around that. But this war of the sexes is based on nothing. It's based on gender politics, not gender reality. And it's... Uh, way out of hand and i don't know how bad it's going to have to get before people are going to start saying wait a minute uh i've had it with this uh this contest for the coveted title of uh mvp mm -hmm. most, most victimized and powerless uh, i'm done with that contest i'm done with that whole my victim's bigger than your victim and be prepared to think about calling it even because that's the solution right there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the solution is. It's for a woman and man to lay down their weaponry, call it even, and move on to a more evolved, healthy form of gender politics and gender relations. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that will occur. <laughs> that doesn't seem anywhere in sight. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm unfortunately um and tell me about the glass floor we were talking earlier and you had mentioned it yeah so that's more of a duality right everything so i i look at male female issues as mirrored and um i talked a little bit about that last time but yeah, the glass ceiling is mirrored or parallel, as it were, by the glass floor. So what is the glass ceiling? Well, throughout history, whenever a woman looked up, she uh, experienced uh, what we now call the glass ceiling is a kind of semi-permeable membrane uh, comprised of such things as uh, tradition, um, social conditioning, um, expectations plus various uh, socio-political and legal um, uh, aspects. And uh, it was semi-permeable. Some women got up there at the top, but uh, most did not, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, however, she had looked down, she might have noticed that she was walking on a kind of glass floor comprised of all the same stuff. It too is all about tradition, um, um, gender role expectations, um, stereotypes, you know, all the 
all that lovely gender political stuff, you know, uh, and various socio-political um, factors as well that tended to safeguard from sinking to the extreme bottom of jail cells and foxholes and mine shafts and, you know, um, is basically the the glass floor uh, has been a, a partial insulation between women and the dark side of uh, the world and human nature, plus most of life under its most profoundly brutal, hard, harsh, hazardous, and corrupting uh, influences. And uh, further, one woman's floor is another man's ceiling. You see, throughout history, the uh, the stigmatized prisoners, the disabled laborers, the uh, the war-torn soldiers, when they looked up, oh, the, the men at the bottom, the, the glass ceiling they experienced was the glass floor that women walked upon. So men have always, you know, for every one CEO, there have been many POWs. Mm-hmm. Men have always occupied both extremes, the most and the least enviable positions on earth, the latter in far greater numbers than the former. Meanwhile, women have been largely occupied the middle ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, there are ways of looking at gender reality where women and men don't have to be at each other's throats, mm-hmm. where neither sex is the victim, neither sex had the power. They they just had a role to perform. Mm-hmm. And that's based on history, hundreds of years of, of years, yeah. That, well, yeah, even that too. But <clears throat> yeah, I guess I was thinking over in, over in Europe, it's thousands of years, and over here, it's hundreds of years. <laughs> 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 when I lived over there, it was always thousands of years. Everything was thousands yeah, of years old. Some schoolhouse, so you see that I was from eight thousand years ago. That yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So it's it's almost like do you think it's um in our um i want to say psyche but in a man or woman's psyche to have these um you know ideas of how things should be yeah it goes back to instinct and mm-hmm. instinct and arrows as i talked about last time it's a mm-hmm. it this idea that men have the power and women are the victims is an erotic story and it's goes all the way back to the mighty Odysseus and the fair Helen of Troy. It's it's built deep into the uh, instinct and the archetypes uh, that um, are more powerful than fact and logic in our minds and our psyches. Mm -hmm. And so uh, all of this uh, throughout all these thousands of years or so, it has degraded society to the point where it's depraved. Well, I'll look. I'll put it this way. I think that the uh, the male power female victimization paradigm uh, used to be romanticized, and now it is politicized and weaponized. So it used to be a warm, fuzzy story of men protecting women, coming to women's rescue. Uh, we used to think of it as a good thing, and um, now we look at it as men oppressing women, dominating women, 
um, keeping women down, uh, uh, victimized. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so it's, it, it, it was never true. <laughs> Men never had D power. Men had more male power than women. Mm-hmm. But women always, have always had more female power than men. And women have always been prioritized in terms of sympathy, um, leniency, charity, mm-hmm. uh, compassion. Um, we haven't looked at that as power. But that's because that's because feminism doesn't want to look at it as power. Feminism just wants to to define power as the thing that men have, and that the that women are struggling to uh, acquire. Um, so then feminism can come to the bargaining table saying, uh, "We have nothing. You have everything. Give us what you got. Pour from your glass half full into our glass half empty." And then everything will be right with the world. Uh, meanwhile, women look around them and they're screaming, there are no men. So mm-hmm. uh, something's not working about that. Uh, is, is there time? Let me, let me, this, there's a, there's this theory by Lord DeMoz that I, mm-hmm. I think is terribly important mm-hmm. and it's unknown. Okay. Mm-hmm. Feminism doesn't want to know about it. So it doesn't exist in academia. But it's staggeringly important. So the theory goes that uh, just as there has been an an evolution of of human technology Mm -hmm. driven largely by men, DeMoz posits that there has been an evolution of human parenting driven mostly by women. And this evolution of human parenting has been the evolution of human empathy, uh, emotional intelligence, uh, social skills, mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, what could be more important than that? Mm-hmm. What could be more important than that? Okay, signposts of this of this evolution of, of human uh, empathy. Um, you can see it slightly very, um, see, it, it, it follows the same sort of trajectory where the uh, evolution of human technology is pretty flatlined, you know, bumping a little bit up in the Middle Ages, a little quicker in the, what they used to call the Enlightenment and the, and the, uh, the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. And then mm-hmm. modern world just went straight up vertical. And it's, it's the same uh, with human parenting. But you get your first sign of it, like um, the much maligned uh, U.S. Constitution saying all men are created equal. Um, Those who decry it just have no comprehension of what a staggering step up it was for its time. Mm -hmm. And and more obvious than uh, as you go along and it it goes, the slope goes faster, is um, the Geneva Convention. Okay. Holding a holding a the concept of war crimes. I mean, that didn't exist five hundred years ago. Forget it. There was no such thing. Uh, you know, uh, 
with the Nuremberg trials, uh, um, Israel, um, and then, and then as you get it into the modern times, and it goes really vertical. Now we have uh, empathy for marginalized groups of people that we used to have no tolerance for. Mm -hmm. uh, homosexuals were burned at the stake uh, back in the uh, in early modern Europe. Uh, this is all. This arguably, this is all due to the evolution of human parenting, all of it driven by women. Mm -hmm. Arguably, we have women to thank for human rights. What could be more important than that? Mm -hmm. So why isn't feminism all over with that? Why aren't they jumping up and down and say, look, look at what, what women are responsible for look at what women have achieved in this world why because they achieve this through female modes of power not male modes of power you see uh, feminism loves female queens and potentates but it doesn't want to know about women wielding female power through female channels and it doesn't really want to accord the world of women with this power, this equal partnership. But see how important that theory is mm -hmm. uh, and why, why does it languish in obscurity? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. Um, you know, um, like you said earlier, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And do you think feminism has forgotten that um, maybe that they have more power than they think? That, I mean, positive power. I know. There's a quote from a feminist named... Natalie Andrew, uh, she said simply, the world of men is the world. I think that attitude informs feminism. There is a profound envy, I think a kind of naive envy of men and masculinity. And, and looking at, looking just at the positive aspects of, of men and masculinity and and envying it and wanting in on it and um you know of the two worlds the world of women and the world of men which world has feminism uh, attacked which world has feminism shamed disparaged and diminished it's the world of women it's been telling women to prioritize career that is prioritize the world of men, prioritize your investment in the world of men, hold off on marriage, uh, limit your uh, immersion within roles and realms in which many women are their happiest. I, I would accuse feminism of viewing women 
their primary importance or, or value to feminists is as soldiers in this this holy war to take down the patriarchy mm-hmm. and doesn't want to know about women wielding power within the world of women doesn't even want there to be a world of women simone de Beauvier said that women should not have the option to stay home and and take care of children because uh if they're given that option too many will, will take it uh for her again it's clear women's primary purpose is to get into the world of men and compete with men and rise to the top of the world of men and depose the patriarchy. He didn't care if, if women were made miserable doing that Mm. was Mm -hmm. not. And every measure of female happiness has plummeted in recent decades, which is not true for men. Uh, and everywhere in the world, the most feminist cultures produce the least happy women. It's it's contrary to um, feminism is is very contrary is very hostile toward biology. And uh, holds the biology in contempt. Um, but oh, biology! Well, it is, and. Uh, hmm. It uh, it provides humans with something that they can ascribe sacredness to. This whole men and women getting together to procreate as they have for thousands and millions of years ties us into something primal and something that we can call sacred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more we are divorced from archetypes such as that, I think the more sort of nihilistic we become. We, we, we lose joy, we lose um, a sense of the importance of the future Jeez. Um, a friend of mine, whom I really admire, I think she's great. She posted some years ago about how she didn't really care if uh, if humans stopped breeding and just, just died out. <laughs> she, yeah, she argued that the, there'd be no victims of it. There'd be no no violence involved. Uh, what's, the, what's the problem? Uh, a purely um, nihilistic outlook. Uh, on life that seems to me that that what that says is uh, nothing is sacred, nothing matters. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people have said that I have said, you know, it's not safe to bring a baby into this world anymore. I know there is that feeling. That's that CPS. I'm not blaming men. I'm just saying it's a CPS problem. You know what I'm saying? And a family court problem. And because there are male and female judges that are just breaking up families and taking kids and whatever. So I'm not, you know, blaming a, a male in particular. I had a male judge, but that doesn't mean all male judges are bad. 
I had a good male judge who was really good looking. Couldn't even look at him. I had to look down at the floor. (laughs) (laughs) That's how good looking he was. And he did the right thing. Okay, so that's rare. But um, I had a female judge who was vindictive and harassive. And it's like, wow, you know. (laughs) Sure. I didn't know what to think of that. I just thought I just never thought, you know, uh, a woman of power, that much power. Was that power hungry to almost want to kill you? Yeah, he's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's really sad. It's, it's, you know, so I hate to be dismal all the time. (laughs) You know, (laughs) despair too. Well, there's been so much anxiety around gender equality that, Oh, I think uh, I think it's a, a primary force underneath. Well, it started with uh, gender is just a social construct. Gender is purely a social construct. Uh, that was feminism's way of saying that men and women are identical and absolutely interchangeable. And therefore, there's no reason why women shouldn't uh, share male power with men and and then it it eventually kind of morphed into this uh well if we can't achieve this so-called gender equality uh any other way as a last resort we'll sort of obliterate gender entirely in a genderless society gender equality becomes a meaningless concept but at what cost, you see? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, that's a that's a theory of mine around this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know how the um, genders will forgive. I don't know. And just they'll, they'll forgive when they agree that. Male power is equaled by female power, and female victimization is equal by male victimization. They'll forgive when they uh, realize that what uh, that, that that it makes no sense to resent the various powers and privileges your opposite sex has when you come to understand that your own sex enjoys powers and privileges in equal measure. Uh, that the the various powers and privileges each sex have uh, come at a cost, and the cost comes out even. That's how you reach forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen. It just people have to be more open minded. Yeah. No, I think that's the only way uh, that we all can survive is just being open-minded, hearing two sides of the coin. Yeah. And um, being more compassionate towards each other. Yeah, more generous. Yeah. Yes. Right. You know, um, hopefully, you know, people listening to this will think about all all of this and you know um 
give give it a thought. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, I don't see anything budging an inch within the, the realm of gender politics. It's just too entrenched and too embittered. But perhaps there's still a contingency in the general public that uh, is tired of the uh, the gender war and may be willing to listen to uh, avenues of uh, of intersex harmony, unity, fairness, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that can happen if people would chill out. <laughs> you know, don't be so up in arms. Just you know, yeah, uh, go with just you know go go with the flow. Listen to what the other person has to say. And not be so ready to jump at the throat. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what that's that's what happens has happened to this world is that there has been so much animosity pitted between a lot of things, um, either males or females or politics or whatever. There's just too much. Uh, bumping of the heads yeah too much judgment too much resentment yeah too much uh, victimage jeez mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like what I always, I always liked what Ellen DeGeneres always said on her um, show when she ended it was be always be kind to one another yeah it's like i like to hear that i do too so um well i'd like to have you back on again for another intense conversation (laughs) yeah yeah i I don't exactly uh shoot the breeze about the weather do i I mean go wrong (laughs) (laughs) And those are the facts. <laughs> but hey, uh, don't jump off. Oh, wait, how can people reach you if they have a question? Yeah, so um, my email address is T-A-G-O-L-D-I-C-H at hotmail.com. Yeah, that's right. I still have a hotmail address. You can see what a dinosaur I am. Oh. You know, and um, please uh, check me out. Uh, my Facebook page, We Are Gender Equalists. Dot com. And um, you can look at me, look for me uh, at timgoldich.com. Mm-hmm. And that will have links to other things. And my book is called Loving Men, Respecting Women, The Future of Gender Politics. That's available on Amazon. And I'd love to hear from anyone. Put, put some comments in the uh, down below. Yeah, definitely. Well, I totally thank you for your time. And uh, don't jump up. 
Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petri, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Tim Goldich and other exciting guests. I, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you. A lovely time. I was, was very uh, enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. And we'll do it again. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye.